This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Christian Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tervish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. Now, the purpose of my show is to explore how work will change in times of globalization and digitization. I want to understand the work of tomorrow. As I look back at the year 2018, I noticed that it has only been a handful of times that I used an ATM, and I don't even remember the last time I made a cash deposit uh, since leaving high school. As I'm sure most of you listeners do, I make my payments through a mix of credit cards, wire transfer, and automatic withdrawals. More than once, I've been frustrated by the high fees of moving money, especially across international borders, and also more than once, I've been delighted by new digital payment technologies. But what are the latest developments when it comes to digital payments and money transfer, and how is technology changing that we may move money around the globe? To explore this topic, I want to first welcome my friend, colleague, and co-author, Professor Nikolai Zigokow, here in the studio. Nikolai and I will be talking to two wonderful guests. In the first half of the show, we'll be interviewing Camilla Chittel, Chief Operating Officer at MoneyGram, which is the second largest provider of money transfers in the world. And then in the second half of the show, I want to welcome Michael Tedesco, who is the Director of Innovation at PayPal. At this point, welcome, Camilla. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, Camilla. Um, there are some, I think, 350,000 agent officers providing MoneyGram services really throughout the world. What has been the most rural or adventurous money agent, MoneyGram agent location that you have personally visited? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I do visit uh, plenty of locations about twice a year. We go on what we call a, a road show. And I would say the most exciting one that I've seen would be Lucky Plaza in Singapore. It's where uh, tens of thousands of Filipino overseas workers, uh, nurses, nannies, um, home workers, gather on Sundays, which is their only day off, to send money home to the Philippines. It's an amazing scene. Um, lots of different money transfer providers are in Lucky Plaza, and it's fascinating to view um, essentially a microcosm of the industry in one spot. Now, imagine that I would want to send you 500 euro from my German account to say thank you for being on my show today. What would be the workflow on my end? How would I organize that payment from Germany over to you? Well, that's a generous payment. Uh, thank you. <laughs> W2 will be in the mail. <laughs> thank you. Um, so actually, you have a variety of ways of completing that transfer. Um, in Germany, you actually have the ability on going on MoneyGram.de. You'd be able to send from our online property. You would be able to walk into a physical agent location, and you would also be able to do it via a new native app. So uh, lots of different ways. Once you receive your reference number, you would be able to provide it to me. Um, you know, it can be texted as part of the, the service. It can be emailed as part of the service. And then I would also have a variety of different ways of retrieving the money. I would be able to pick it up physically. I would be able to deposit into my bank account. Um, if I was in Africa or if I was in parts of Asia, I would be able to pull it into my wallet, my mobile wallet. So I have the choice here between channels. So from, from these agents that you mentioned, uh, are they basically, they are do, they're retailers, they are doing other things, and they're not your employees, right? They're just basically like taking a franchise there? That's right. Um, it is a, a distribution model that we leverage. Um, they can be post offices. They can be, you know, the Tesco's of the world. 
and they can be largely just mom and pops. Uh, because we service, you know, primarily people who have left their home and are sending money home, we found that mom and pop, you know, the ethnic markets, for example, are a great way to distribute the service. Um, it also provides an income stream for the small business in addition to, you know, offering a money transfer to our customers. Sure. And what would happen on your end? So uh, I go into this mom and stops, the pop store or the Tesco in, in England. Uh, basically give them the 500 euro and so what does the work and the workflow look like on your end you mean behind the scenes what moneygram would do behind the scenes yes so very importantly we would have to understand who you are and we would have to ensure we comply with all of the regulatory and compliance standards so you know the industry is really changing in today's world because many places um, you know around the world are simply not very safe and people do want to exploit uh, different systems for, for criminal activity, we actually have to do quite a lot of compliance checks. We are the leader in compliance. We're the only money transfer company, for example, that is requiring ID at time of send and receive. And I focus on that quite a bit because it's, it's very revolutionary in the industry. You know, traditionally, you've only had to provide name and address. Right now, you're having to provide also your phone number, your date of birth, as well as your ID. So. A lot more information is being requested by MoneyGram, and we use that information to really understand who you are. We are transforming from being transaction-centric to very customer-centric. So we're aggregating all of your information across channels, and we're making, making sure that you, know, you are who you say you are and you're not somebody posing to be somebody else. Um, and then the money moves in less than 10 minutes. So as you know, since you're an expert in digital payments, money doesn't actually move anywhere in less than 10 minutes. Banks do a lot to slow that process down, as do country borders. Um, you know, countries want to control their currency. And they also don't want to slow it down. And they want to slow it down, so they don't actually want to move the money in 10 minutes. So we actually pre-position pre-funded accounts around the world, and we settle via those accounts. But the money itself is available on the other side of the world in less than 10 minutes. Interesting. Oh, hi, this is Nikolai, um, hi, Nikolai. chiming in. Um, so you started talking about sort of different changes that have occurred, both on the regulatory side um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about the technology side underlying this? So what has kind of changed over time that allowed you kind of to, to make these transactions more efficiently? Well, good question. I mean, the technology is forever changing. You know, we continue to integrate with different local payment methods. We now have reached to over 2 billion uh, wallets and accounts, um, bank accounts around the world, because we really believe in consumer choice. So, you know, MoneyGram does not have the brand presence or the visibility to really force consumers to, to transact in ways that we don't believe they want to transact. So the digital-only players, for example, have really slowed down in their growth because they don't offer the consumer the ability to transact any way that they want to, including cash. So for us, um, it's really about making that transfer efficient. You know, I can throw out all the buzzwords. <laughs> we are certainly investing in robotics process automation for suspicious report filings. You know, we have a SendBot available on Facebook. But most importantly, I would say it's been that digital transformation of integrating into all the different bank accounts as well as all the different wallets around the world with all different payment methods. So, for example, in Germany, you would be able to, you know, fund your transfer with 
with the local payment methods. In Australia, you can do it with the Australian local mm-hmm. payment method, etc. It's interesting that you're saying, sort of, on the one hand, you have all these amazing technological changes, while at the same time, you seem to say, right, customers have still amazing varying degrees of needs, right? Some like cash, right. some have you know, various wallets. Uh, so have you seen big changes on the customer side? Or if you think back 10 years ago, kind of what the customer's needs are similar to what they are today? Absolutely. The mobile revolution is certainly making a difference for everybody, including us in the money transfer industry. Consumers are, you know, demanding options available on their mobile phones for sure. Mm-hmm. They're demanding notifications. You know, they want to hear and tra- hear about their money. They want to track their money in real time. So that is certainly uh, forcing lots of changes. And it's interesting, you know, people certainly don't want to provide information physically when they're face-to-face. You know, there's a little bit of a perhaps a privacy aspect because oftentimes they have to say their information over, you know, let's say glass, right, with a teller, et cetera. But they're willing to provide the information in the digital environment because it's in the privacy of their own home, you know, on their mobile phone, et cetera. So it's, on one hand, it's really helping us get more information about our consumers and personalize our products and services. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's also more convenient for them. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about this personalization aspect? Because clearly that's sort of the way lots of industries are going. And uh, right now uh, I see, you know, Christian walking into an office or, or pressing his button on his phone, which we would call like a respond to desire, right? Christian knows he wants to send you $500 and so he initiates this. Is is there more customization or kind of even anticipation of, of uh, customer needs that you were engaged in? Yes, absolutely. We are working on um, changing our loyalty program. So, you know, traditionally money transfer was very transaction-centric and, again, was not consumer-centric. And because of the fact that we distributed primarily via agent locations, that focus on the consumer just wasn't there 10 years ago, for example, um, you know, how you initially led with your question. So now we are finding that we do want to reward our consumers for staying loyal to MoneyGram, and we're um, going to be rolling out and strengthening our loyalty program. We are now offering um, promo codes, for example, right? So we, if you're normally sending to the United States, um, you know, that's probably not a, a region of the world that has too much volatility around currency. But if you're sending, for example, to wallets, um, you know, we will go ahead and uh, send you notification that something may be changing. If it's normally that you send, let's say, at Mother's Day or Christmas, you know, we'll notify you if there's a special going around that time. So, so yes, plus we're trying to personalize who it is that you're sending to. You know, as people that have left their home countries, they tend to get homesick. They want to feel connected and close to their loved ones. So we try to focus on, you know, their areas of the world and bring that closer to them via our apps and digital properties. Says Camilla Chetriol, the Chief Operating Officer at MoneyGrams. Uh, Camilla, in your opening comments, you mentioned uh, the situation of the, the Philippine clients in working in Singapore. So I would imagine their money transfer behaviors is quite predictable in the sense that they would send regularly certain amounts. They might regularly follow certain rules where they want to balance an account in one country with an account in another country. Um, back to Nikolai's comment of kind of waiting for the customer to do something versus being more proactive and, and almost helping the customer to plan their transactions. Do you offer more or is this a typical uh, transaction one where I come to you with cash that I've just earned on the construction side and I just want to wire it somewhere? Well, it's really a mix of both. So we are seeing, for example, those very predictable, very regular uh, remitters, 
We are also seeing, for example, people that send home for investment purposes. They may be sending larger dollar amounts, but less frequently. So the demographics are changing, you know, as much as the migration patterns are changing around the world. And uh, yes, we are exploring, for example, more of a subscription model or more of a, uh, you know, your TSA pre-check model, right? If we know a little bit more about you, we're looking at um, options in commercial transactions because traditionally our, our world is, is truly remittance, right? It's really friends and family sending to one another. But there's such a big need for larger commercial payments to move around the world. And with MoneyGram's, you know, access and uh, regulatory ability to transact around the world, it's also something that we're exploring for 2019. Can we go back to the 500 euros that I will not be sending you from my German <laughs> bank account? Um, yes. So um, we talked a little bit about the workflow on your end. Can you give us a sense of uh, how much labor is there involved? Is, is there everything uh, beyond the agent? Is there everything automated? Or is at some point somebody from your employees going to pick up a phone, send a fax, make a data entry? For a movement of 500 euros from, say, Germany to the U.S., is there anything that has to happen manually? Oh, I, I, I hope not. <laughs> no, not at all. We only have 2,500 uh, employees, um, and we're in 200 countries. Um, so we're highly matrixed, highly distributed, um, and every single aspect of the transaction is automated. You know, we trade about 120 currencies on a daily basis, and we participate in more than... Um, 25,000 corridor pairs. So everything absolutely has to be automated um, in order to happen in a few minutes. Now, there are exceptions. We may have to put the transaction on hold, for example, if, uh, you know, Christian Turvish shows up on a, on a uh, list of people that we're not allowed to transact with, then we may ask you to contact us to give us more information um, to make sure that, you know, you are the person that you say you are. But that's very rare. Over 98% of our transactions happen without any human contact at all. Camilla Cetriol, the Chief Operating Officer at MoneyGrams. So that means, I mean, it's basically zero marginal cost. So it's still 2% of requiring labor is, 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 is still a lot of labor at the end of the day, given the volume that you transact. But So you're, you're basically, your costs are basically zero. And what would I have to pay in fees for moving my 500 euros over to you? Uh, well, our fees tend to be less than 5% of the face of um, the transaction. So specifically right now in Germany, you know, I should have checked knowing that you're going to ask me. This <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be in the few euro range, and that includes the FX as well. So that's a pretty good business model, right? I mean, so you're getting 5% cut on uh, something that you're basically producing at zero marginal cost. What what allows you to do this? What is what is hard about that this has kept the barrier to entry for everybody opening up a transfer-wise kind of um, business model? Well, regulatory, you know, what you covered earlier is certainly a big barrier. You have to be licensed to transact in these jurisdictions, and then you have to invest in the technology to, number one, move the money, number two, um, be competitive in the FX uh, trading aspect, right? So... Um, and then, of course, all of the compliance checks. So, you know, I definitely don't want to downplay that one because it is it is significant. Um, today, there's just not a ton of information in other parts of the world around, you know, ID, ID verification, for example, right? In Laos, they still have family cards, right? All family members have a, a written um, 
written name and, and a, you know, photo, for example, in a passport type book, and we still have to transact with them. So the investment in compliance and technology is, is very, very large. We're also a closed-loop system, and there are very few of those, right? So we don't leverage other people's rails. We move the money among our own rails, just like Visa or MasterCards um, do, for example. So there is a significant investment. And, uh, you know, we are investigating blockchain. We believe in um, the value of smart contracts and, you know, over time, the ability to move the money securely without having to actually move the currency, but, um, but that's still in its infancy, if you will. Yeah. And I could imagine that the trust factor is probably also a big barrier to entry, right? I, when I <laughs> go and, and give someone my money and hope it will appear in someone else's bank account somewhere around the world. Uh, so I could imagine that uh, that's uh, not easy to create, right? Absolutely. The value of the brand is huge. Um, you know, again, these are aspects um, that are very important to people. A financial transaction is, is one that's, that's highly emotional for them and also very, very important. You know, just like those nurses, the Filipino nurses have one day off. That's the day that they use to send money. It's you know, like the cruise workers around the world who, you know, have the few hours in a port to send money home. It's very important that the money is sent securely, quickly, and then it gets to where it needs to go. So do you have alliances, let's say, for instance, with cruise ship companies? Because right, quite often there are sort of blocks of people right, working at, in, in concentrated areas. Or, or is it really just an individual-to-individual -individual kind of transaction? It is an individual transaction, but we do uh, special things, if you will, for those types of cruise workers. For example, when, when we started uh, requiring ID and address for every single transaction, we started getting lots of addresses for cruise line headquarters yeah, right. in, in Miami, Florida, right? Uh -huh. So naturally, we understand um, that those are, and you know, we make exceptions to, our, to ensure that the transfer is as easy as possible. Going forward, what, what type of innovations are you working on? Are you planning to grow by offering more services to your existing customers? Are you hoping for new customers? I could imagine for somebody who is working, for example, in Argentina, with dramatic levels of inflation going on right now, Turkey is going similar changes, um, some version of exchange rate hedging, some other way of basically protecting me as a foreign worker from things that are going on in the economy might might be a huge unmet need. What are you helping beyond just managing that pipe of the money flowing through there? So we certainly watch for migration patterns around the world. Right now, we are focused on our digital expansion. So we started the year, we started 2018 with three online properties. We currently have 16 and expect to end the year with 20 uh, digital properties, so ability to transact online or via a native app. And that's really our primary focus right now. Uh, you know, our ability to offer the best FX rates in the industry is always going to be there. We certainly will always charge less than banks to ensure that our customers see value in the service that we provide. But the digital transformation is our primary focus right now. And, you know, we hope to also roll out the loyalty programs as well as, um, you know, other feature and functionality that will ensure that consumers pick MoneyGram versus one of the many other providers in the industry. Says Camilla Cetriol, the Chief Operating Officer at MoneyGrams.
So you mentioned this idea of uh, to make the transfer happen really quickly, that you are not literally moving the money around. You basically pre-plan money transfers on both sides. So that means that you have pretty significant capital outlays in parts of the world, many of them going through rapid economic change. So, so how are you dealing with kind of current situations of dramatic inflations in some countries, really cheap money in other countries? You know, it's a... It's definitely a barrier to entry. Um, so we've been doing this for a long time, and we can actually predict uh, to a, a very, very close degree what will be happening um, with migration patterns. We do preposition money around the world, um, and we have been doing that for a long time. It is a what we, what we like to call a negative working capital intensive business, right? Um, because you have to have money. Uh, sometimes by regulation, for example, in India, you have to have the exact amount of money that is going to be paid out available at all times in the banking system over there. So it is preventing from others uh, from entering. And then from our standpoint, you know, we manage that money quite well, and we have been for a long time. We actually get uh, investment income. So people oftentimes talk when it comes to payments and money transfer about the disruptions either through the digital currencies like the Bitcoin, the PayPal's. The transfer wises in kind of uh, when it comes to international money transfer, who are you, con who are you concerned about? You know, it's no secret that the digital disruptors, if you will, are still waiting for the disruption, right? Um, a lot of them have made a big splash in the industry, and they're certainly applying downward pressure on pricing. We fully expect that pricing will continue to face downward trends. But a lot of them are running out of growth because they don't offer the cash payout. So there's only a certain segment of the population that is going to be not banked, that is not going to use their bank for the transfer, that will also not require cash. And we really believe that we're uniquely positioned um, and are able to leverage our physical locations together with the digital currencies, you know, in more than 200 countries and territories. We, um, we fully expect that, you know, the new entrants will continue to to disrupt us, frankly, it's good competition, and we're happy to face the, the challenges that they put forth. But, but we have seen them slow down, and we have seen them um, look for outlets with the actual um, physical payout locations, because at the end of the day, consumers want choice. So it's a little bit of a last mile problem? I'm sorry? Is it like a last mile problem in telecom yeah. that it's just uh, getting it like close to the consumer as possible, but it's just if the consumer wants cash in the hand, at some point something physical needs to happen. And again, I think with, with your 350,000 agent offices, that gives you an advantage that nobody can just scale up digitally uh, overnight. Exactly. And the consumers don't like being told what to do. They like choice. So as soon as you hold their money too long, as long as you force them to transfer it into bank account, but that takes two days, consumers abandon that um, and they pick for a more secure, more reliable offering. And we've seen that happen time and time again. I know predictions about the future are always a risky business, but n nevertheless, let me ask a question. If uh, in 10 years from now, I consider paying you 500 euros for my German account, uh, what will be different? In 10 years down the road, how will money transfer across borders uh, change compared to where it is today? I do expect uh, the smart contracts of blockchain to take over. You know, the world will continue to force regulatory changes, and I think at some point it's going to have to become more of a registration model. So, uh, 
more information will have to be known about you, more information will have to be known about me, may go as far as biometrics, right? We certainly do it today for the convenience of having a consumer not forget their password so they don't have to call us, which is why we use biometrics on our apps. But I think over time, with what's happening around the world, financial transactions will become uh, much more regulated. And, you know, at that point, I hope that it's going to be on blockchain or perhaps even with cryptocurrency. You know, banks aren't ready for that today, but hopefully they will be at some point. And uh, it's going to be an even safer transaction, which will hopefully, you know, eradicate terrorist financing, for example, and, and some of the criminals that look to exploit systems like ours. Says Camilla Chetriol, the Chief Operating Officer at MoneyGrams. Thank you so much, Camilla. We need to take a short break right now. When we come back, I will welcome our second guest for today, uh, Michael Tudesco, the Director of Innovation at PayPal. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow. I'm Christian Tevish, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. We'll be right back. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 